Chapter Seventy of Thomas Wingfold, Curate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Miyune. Thomas Wingfold, Curate by George MacDonald. Chapter Seventy: The Confession. All that and the following day, Leopold was in spirits for him wonderful. On Monday night there came a considerable reaction. He was detected, worn and weary. Twelve o'clock the next day was the hour appointed for their visit to Mr. Hooker, and at eleven he was dressed and ready, restless, agitated and very pale, but not a whit less determined than at first. A drive was the pretext for borrowing Mrs. Ramshorn's carriage. "'Why is Mr. Wingfold not coming?' asked Lingard, anxiously, when it began to move. "'I fancy we shall be quite as comfortable without him, Poldy,' said Helen. "'Did you expect him?' "'He promised to go with me, but he hasn't called since the time was fixed.' Here Helen looked out of the window. "'I can't think why it is. I can do my duty without him, though,' continued Leopold, "'and perhaps it is just as well.' "'Do you know, George, since I made up my mind, I have seen her but once, and that was last night, and only in a dream.' "'A state of irresolution is one peculiarly open to unhealthy impressions,' said George, good-naturedly disposing of his long legs so that they should be out of the way. Leopold turned from him to his sister. "'The strange thing, Helen,' he said, "'was that I did not feel the least afraid of her, or even abashed before her. "'I see you.' I said, be at peace. I am coming, and you shall do to me what you will. And then, what do you think? Oh, my God! She smiled one of her own old smiles, only sad to, very sad, and vanished. I woke, and she seemed only to have just left the room, for there was a stir in the darkness. Do you believe in ghosts, George? Leopold was not one of George's initiated, I need hardly say. No, answered was calm. I don't wonder. I can't blame you, for neither did I once. But just wait till you have made one, George. God forbid! exclaimed Bascom, a second time forgetting himself. Amen, said Leopold, for after that there's no help but be one yourself, you know. If he would only talk like that to old Hooker, thought George, it would go a long way to forestall any possible misconception of the case. "'I can't think why Mr. Wingfold did not come yesterday,' resumed Leopold. "'I made sure he would.' "'Napoli, you mustn't talk,' said Helen, "'or you'll be exhausted before we get to Mr. Hooker's.' She did not wish the non-appearance of the curate on Monday to be closely inquired into. His company at the magistrates was by all possible means to be avoided. George had easily persuaded Helen, more easily than he expected, to wait their return in the carriage, and the two men were shown into the library, where the magistrate presently joined them. He would have shaken hands with Leopold as well as George, but the conscious felon drew back. "'No, sir, excuse me,' he said. "'Hear what I have to tell you first, and if after that you will shake hands with me, it will be a kindness indeed. But you will not. You will not!' Worthy Mr. Hooker was overwhelmed with pity at sight of the worn, sallow face with the great eyes, in which he found every appearance confirmatory of the tale wherewith Bascom had filled and prejudiced every fibre of his judgment. 
He listened in the kindest way while the poor boy forced the words of his confession from his throat. But Leopold never dreamed of attributing his emotion to any other cause than compassion for one who had been betrayed into such a crime. It was against his will, for he seemed now bent, even to unreason, on fighting every weakness that he was prevailed upon to take a little wine. Having ended, he sat silent in the posture of one whose wrists are already clasped by the double bracelet of steel. Now Mr. Hooker had thought the thing out in church on the Sunday, and after a hard run at the tail of a strong fox over a rough country on the Monday, and a good sleep well into the morning of the Tuesday, could see no better way. His device was simple enough. "'My dear young gentleman,' he said, "'I'm very sorry for you, but I must do my duty.' "'That, sir, is what I came to you for,' answered Leopold humbly. "'Then you must consider yourself my prisoner. The moment you are gone, I shall make note of your deposition, and proceed to arrange for the necessary formalities.' As a mere matter of form, I shall take your own bail in a thousand pounds to surrender when called upon. But I am not of age, and haven't got a thousand pounds, said Leopold. Perhaps Mr. Hooker will accept my recognizance in the amount, said Bascombe. Certainly, answered Mr. Hooker, and wrote something which Bascombe signed. You are very good, George, said Leopold, but you know I can't run away if I would he added with a pitiful attempt at a smile. "'I hope you will soon be better,' said the magistrate kindly. "'Why such a wish, sir?' returned Leopold, almost reproachfully, and the good man stood abashed before him. He thought of it afterwards, and was puzzled to know how it was. "'You must hold yourself in readiness,' he said, recovering himself with an effort, "'to give yourself up at any moment. And remember, I shall call upon you when I please, every week, perhaps, or oftener, to see that you are safe. Your aunt is an old friend of mine, and there will be no need of explanations. This turns out to be no common case, and after hearing the whole, I do not hesitate to offer you my hand. Leopold was overcome by his kindness, and withdrew speechless, but greatly relieved. Several times during the course of his narrative, its apparent truthfulness and its circumstantiality went nigh to stagger Mr. Hooker, but a glance at Bascombe's face, with its half-amused smile, instantly set him right again, and he thought with dismay how near he had been to letting himself be fooled by a madman. Again in the carriage, Leopold laid his head on Helen's shoulder, and looked up in her face with such a smile as she had never seen on his before. Certainly there was something in confession, if only enthusiasts like Mr. Wingfold would not spoil all by pushing things to extremes and turning good into bad. Leopold was yet such a child, had so little occupied himself with things about him, and had been so entirely taken up with his passion and the poetry of existence unlawfully forced, that if his knowledge of the circumstances of Emmeline's murder had depended on the newspapers, he would have remained in utter ignorance concerning them. From the same causes he was so entirely unacquainted with the modes of criminal procedure that the conduct of the magistrate never struck him as strange, not to say illegal. And so strongly did he feel the good man's kindness and sympathy that his comfort from making a clean breast of it was even greater than he expected. Before they reached home he was fast asleep. When laid on the couch he almost fell asleep again, and Helen saw him smile as he slept. 
End of chapter 70.